to the International House of Horrors. Welcome back, valued guests, to the International House of Horrors, your sanctuary of spooky for all things terrible, horrible, bloody, gory, brutal, and the macabre. I am one of your curators here at the House of Horrors, Joe Merle. And I'm Josh. Hi. Uh, and we are here today to uh, to go back to, um, we're doing another uh, another year. We uh, we decided that, and you and I had talked about it even before we started started this show, and I, I want to say it was our first episode. I should have looked after last week when we were talking about it, but we said, hey, why don't we just pick a year and and look at the horror from that year? You know, and it's it's interesting a lot of times because you you can kind of see, at, at certain points in time, you can definitely see a, a reflection of the, the culture, and I think I've told you in the past, I think it was actually when I was talking to you and Michael, that I had wrote... Um, a paper in in college about the the relationship of horror movies with the wars going on around yeah. the world, and now there's kind of a reflection there. So some of that time, sometimes you're able to pick a pick apart some of those things, and it's really cool when you when you dig a little bit deeper. Um, and then there's other times when horror was just not in the best place, and <laughs> one of those eras, <laughs> a lot of people would agree, was you know the early to mid '90s. Horror, had, horror was in this transitional phase. You know, it was like when the when the caterpillar was in the cocoon, um, in between, about to become a butterfly, but it wasn't quite there yet. It was just this gross, disgusting thing that you kind of want to forget about. And you're like, yeah, show me the final product. Um, because the 90s really weren't the the greatest year uh, years, a couple of years for horror. I would say until what? Probably Wes Craven kind of yeah, really. Yeah, probably. I think... I think for the for the most part, the, the, especially the early nineties, um, were like the hangover time from the eighties. Like the eighties were, like the eighties are like the big year for horror, right? Where the slashes came out, everyone loves the eighties, and um, and then that's kind of what they tried to do. And then in the nineties, we got like Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four. Five. And I think the ninety. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, no, because we um, had talked about when we did 1989, it, it was Jason Takes Manhattan, Halloween 5, uh, Nightmare 5. You know, there was some yeah. some rough stuff in yeah. there. Yeah, and it, it was all like, because all the 80s classics got these um, ridiculously long series where movies followed, and that went into the 90s. And that's it seems like that's all we got in the 90s. And uh, yeah, for some reason... I think because of the horror, for me, the 90s are never uh, a fun movie time, even though the 90s had some great movies. Yeah. But all I ever think of and I think of the 90s are like these bad horror movies. And there are some bad ones. There's, there, I mean, there's a couple on the list uh, as I went through. And, and I guess we should mention we're talking about the year 1993 was the year of uh, Josh's birth. That's why he... Yeah. He went with 93, which is still fun because, you know, if you're going to do a, a horror podcast or really any kind of podcast, you got to take the good with the bad if you're going to be topical. So there are some some good movies on this list. But when you compare it to, say, you know, a lot of other years, not a lot of people I think would pick this as, oh, it was a great year for horror. Uh, but I did want to set up just the year itself and take a look at, you know, what was going on in the world. So I've got some... Some numbers for the 
the top 10. I went with the global box office since we are an international podcast show. Uh, I decided not to just go with the domestic. And it was interesting, though, in that the global and the domestic were were pretty different in a lot of areas. But I think the global is a better representation, you know, where the world was at. Uh, you want to take any any stabs at what the uh, number one movie was the year you were born? Um, the number one movie in general. Not horror movie, but just, just movie in yep, general. This is just in general. Um, 1993. Got- it made $983 million. $983.8 million. Oh, Wait, 93, was that Jurassic Park or was that 94? You are correct, sir. It was Jurassic ah, Park. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, Which I would say could almost be a horror movie. So there was a couple... Like, as a kid, I... Yeah, yeah there was a couple I lists like I looked Jurassic at. Jurassic Park is a horror movie. When the lawyer gets eaten, that was always scary to me because there's actually people dying in movies. And as a kid, I wasn't used to that. <laughs> it, it was listed on a couple lists that I looked at. I wasn't going to list it as a horror, but like you, as a kid, when I had seen this... It was, um, you know, the the moments that got me. There's some really tense moments. Everybody remembers the the jeep upside down with the the tyrannosaurus, you know, pushing it around in a circle. But one of the moments that scared me the most is when you've got the the sequence where they keep cutting from um, like the lab facility to the kid climbing the fence, and you know that she's about to turn the power on, and and he's going up, and you're like, ah, like come on, kid, go. And and maybe that wasn't so much horror, but it was. It was very tense, but yeah, there was, you know, the, the raptors kind of sneaking around in the shadows and yeah, things like the, that, the lamp, stalking. The, the, the lamp being eaten and then the leg flying out of the... <laughs> yeah. that, that's the scene that always st- sticks in my head when you get the, the lamp's leg. But Jurassic Park was, I mean, it changed the face of cinema and what you could do by combining practical effects and CGI effects. And it is one that, I mean, it's amazing that Jurassic Park still holds up. Now, the, the, a lot of yeah. the sequels don't, you know, you're like, oh, that doesn't look as good as it did at the time because they relied, I think, a little more heavily on the CGI. But that first Jurassic Park still looks amazing. And at the time, yeah. it was mind-blowing. Like, the world was like, these are real dinosaurs. How did you get real dinosaurs uh, to be in a movie? But I think it, it definitely deserved to be in that number one spot in 1993, um, 100%. Yeah. Uh, the number two spot kind of surprised me, but it made four hundred and forty-one point three million dollars, and that was Mrs. Doubtfire, the Robin Williams uh, classic. Which it is a it is a have, great movie. Have you seen the the trailer where they recut uh, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire as a horror movie? Yeah, <laughs> I love it when so they do that. It's, it could be. <laughs> yeah, I love it when they do that. One of my favorites that they did at that was the uh, the Mary Poppins, and it was called Scary Mary. <laughs> And, you know, all the things are flying around the room and there's this, like, evil, ominous music in the background. Uh, But Miss Doubtfire was great. It's still a great movie. Uh, Robin Williams is going to be missed for a long time. He was a, um, man, he was a a good dude. Uh, Number number three, The Fugitive did 36, uh, 368.9 million. So um, a really good haul there. Uh, The Fugitive is a great movie, too. Um, Schindler's List came in number four with 321.3 million. And this is the one where it was very different than the domestic box office. It was much lower on the list for domestic, but I think a movie of that caliber, um, it, you know, it appeals at the global scale as I think bigger than it even does in the, in the States because it was such a huge event. And I think really one of the first times this story was ever told like, you know, we had a lot of World War II movies, but you didn't have 
specifically looking at these events and you know neeson's great but it's i mean it's a tragic tragic movie yeah i i think most world war ii movies uh that we got were like the typical war movies right yeah. in the war and not like like this where there's there's no war happening there like it's all confined in this mostly confined in this in this uh, factory and it's it's a different side of the war like we don't see many soldiers shooting other soldiers it's like about actual people right and I, I'm pretty sure this one um, uh, got big because may, maybe even mostly due to Germany because I've like we're very very open about what happened and uh, it's it's always good to uh, to see it again to not forget about it right and so I'm I'm I I can only guess because I I was just around yeah <laughs> I just got born when this happened but it might be that this was big in Germany because. Uh, yeah, because of the historical re- relevancy that we feel here, right? Like and it and it was so over there. It was so greatly executed, like you know, he. I mean, Spielberg has an amazing ability to make you feel in that movie, and you know, Spielberg being a a Jewish director, I'm sure it hit really close to home, and he wanted to make sure he told the story in the most honest light that he could. But yeah, and it just got its little re-release. Um, but it, it's definitely not a, hey, let's sit around with the family and have a good time, and then we'll all, <laughs> you know, share a beer and some laughs yeah. afterward. It is a very sombering movie. Uh, number five yeah, went to... Oh, go uh, ahead. One, one more thing. What's what's kind of surprising, though, is um, that this movie is this high up. is still really surprising because even though it's a great movie, it's still a three-hour black-and-white movie yeah. that got, like, number three on the uh, uh, box office, and that's... Number it's four, crazy. Number four, number but four. yeah, still to be in the top five is is wild. Yeah. Uh, number five went to the firm, and this is where we take um you know a really big jump. The firm did two hundred and seventy point two million. Um, the firm's a good movie. You know, people like that uh, that John Grisham stuff. I think that was John Grisham who wrote the firm. I'm I'm pretty certain it was. I'm I'm, I'm thinking the 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 firm like the it it rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Can you give me a, a quick uh yeah it's what is um, it about let me let me pull it up real quick just to make sure i'm not getting anything wrong it was one my mom was uh was really into i just want to make sure it's uh it's a grisham it book. is john grisham yeah, okay yeah yeah so it was tom um you know tom cruise and it's just a it's a i mean there's nothing it's a crime type lawyer movie I guess, okay. you know, he's he's a young lawyer and he gets wrapped up in this world of, you know, backstabbing and crime and things like that. But it's okay. um it's good. Number 6 was Indecent Proposal with 266.6 million and it's been a long time since I've seen Indecent Proposal, but the basic premise is one man offers another man a million dollars to uh and I think it was Robert Redford was the one who offers a uh, million dollars, and I want to say it was Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore, to spend the night with his wife. He's like, I'll give you a million dollars to spend the night with your wife. And then it's following that story and them, you know, dealing with this, all of this happening. Uh, number seven went to Cliffhanger with $255 million, which, <laughs> you know, Cliffhanger, as goofy as it is, I still really like Cliffhanger. It's um, I think... Um, I I still feel like this is uh, like I I haven't seen it yet, but from just all the pictures and feelings I got so far, I I'm pretty sure Cliffhanger is like the um, 
what what we have now with the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, like it's these big dumb action movies just uh, for fun. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what Cliffhanger is, and you know it's Stallone and um, him and everything. Of course, takes place on a on a mountain, and so you have a lot of you know man against man, man against the elements. Those kind of things, and there was the great spoof in uh, Ace Ventura uh, when nature calls, when the raccoon falls. That's actually from Cliffhanger when he was hanging, holding, holding his love interest. I can't remember if it was girlfriend or wife or whatever, but she ends up falling. He can't hold on, and so they spoofed that in Ace Ventura. That was a lot of fun. Uh, number eight went to Sleepless in Seattle with two hundred and twenty-seven point eight million, which is. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, if you say, what are some of the greatest rom-coms of all time, Sleepless in Seattle frequently comes up as being on that list. Uh, number nine yeah, went... Tom Hanks is always good. Oh, it's... A, no, Sleepless in Seattle wasn't... Uh, or, or yeah. no, you're right. Yeah, Tom I'm Hanks sorry. and Meg Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what... Um, what movie am I thinking of? Uh, uh, no, I'm thinking of When Harry <laughs> Met Sally. Yeah, you're right. Tom Hanks ah. was... Um, you're, I don't know why I was getting those two. It's early in the morning, people. Leave me alone. I'm still trying to wake <laughs> up. Uh, the number nine spot went to Philadelphia with 206.7. And so you got two Tom Hanks right in a row. Um, Philadelphia, you know, the world we live in now, it's easy to think about the, the AIDS epidemic, and it's a very open conversation, and people are willing to have that. But back in 93, it was still relatively... Uh, taboo in a lot of ways. So yeah. to have that conversation about, um, you know, AIDS and of course, uh, Denzel is always, always good. Uh, and the last one, number 10 was a Denzel movie as well. And that's the Pelican brief with, um, uh, Denzel and Julia Roberts. And it did 195.3 million. And again, this is a, um, a law law student, um, you know, talking, I, I don't remember a ton about the Pelican Brief. I just remember it had lawyer stuff in it, and there was a lot of lawyer stuff going on. Um, but Julia Roberts okay. and, and Denzel, you can't really go wrong. Can't really, can't really go bad there. Just a fun side note, the, the Pelican Brief, the German title for that movie is Die Akte, which means the file. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, they, they went all out on that. <laughs> but... <laughs> So that means we got at least uh, three uh, lawyer movies in uh, yeah. the top ten. <laughs> yeah, three of those. And that's that's kind of crazy. And you know, not a single horror movie made the top ten, <laughs> which doesn't surprise me. I'm not me. surprised by that. No. And, and quickly, I'll go through um, the top-rated TV shows from 1993, so when you weren't at the movies, when you were at home. Uh, number one went to 60 Minutes. Which is, you know, Never I guess that was it. It's an American, um, like a uh, like a news show. They would do sixty minutes and have these little news segments. So I was kind of surprised to see that uh, be the number one. Number two was Home Improvement with Tim Allen, and number three Seinfeld. Number four Roseanne, and number five was Grace Under Fire. So lots of comedies in there. Uh, and then the top Billboard charts. So the top ten songs from uh, 1993: "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston, "Whoop There It Is" by Tag Team, "Can't Help Falling in Love" by UB40, "That's the Way Love Goes" Janet Jackson, "Freak Me" by Silk, "Weak" SWV, "If I Ever Fall," "If I Ever Fall in Love" by Shy, 
Dream Lover, Mariah Carey, Rump Shaker, Rex and Effects, and Informer by Snow. So that was our uh, our top ten uh, billboards. So all R and B stuff. Not a lot going on going on there. But um, we are here to talk about horror movies, though. So yeah, that was to just kind of set the tone a little bit. Um, so going through this list of horror movies, I had seen a grand total of fourteen movies from the year nineteen ninety three. Some of them I remember a lot more than others, uh, but I know I had, I had seen them because at this time I was, you know, around 10 years old. And uh, how many did you see from 93? <laughs> yeah, well, I was just born that year. And the movies, what's the problem for me is that many of these movies are banned over here, at okay. least a few of them. So, um, yeah, I've seen two. <laughs> Next time when we when we pick a, a year, I'll look into it first to see that I've at least seen a few of them. And I even tried to watch some for this show, but I couldn't find any of them, either at a reasonable price or at all. Like like I said, I th there's one uh, I, I told you about. I, I was standing in the DVD store and I was thinking about buying that Blu-ray for, for 20 euros. Right. But for that movie, it wasn't worth it right at that second <laughs> yeah but we'll we'll get into that um so yeah i've seen two okay so yeah that's all right there's nothing wrong with that um and we'll be able to talk about some of these along the way you know and i think even based on it um some of them i'm sure you've heard of maybe you haven't seen so you're you're aware of their existence and it sounds like you looked into some of them to see what uh to see what some of these movies were about um, I'm going to work through my, my top 10 and we can talk about some of those. And then I'll bring up a couple of the other ones that I had seen, um, in 93, just kind of get the conversation rolling. And my personal number one, even though it's not the best movie on the planet, my personal number one from 1993 is return of the living dead three. <laughs> and is that, uh, you know what, why don't we do the two you have seen first? That way we'll know if any of these, uh, if any of these crossovers, so why don't you start us off? And then we can okay, return yeah, back let's, to... Okay, uh, let's do that. I can even rank them. Okay. <laughs> my uh, let, Let's start with my number two so we get the, high, <laughs> the, the best of the two last. <laughs> my number two is a movie that I'm not even sure you would count as a horror movie, but it's on the list, and so I count it. Um, it's um, Cannibal Holocaust... No, what, what am I saying? Uh, Cannibal the Musical. That's the Oh, time. okay. Uh, the the first ever uh, movie by the um, Trey Parker uh, and uh, Matt Stone. Yeah, Trey Parker yeah. and Matt Stone. And I've I've seen that it's on it's on YouTube on the official Trauma channel. They released it for free, and um, <laughs> it's so, it's fun. It's uh, crazy. So I didn't put it and, on my list as horror movies, but it does have the word cannibal in the title. Uh, it's, it's listed on Letterboxd as a horror movie, so okay. I counted. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know what though? I, I mean, I didn't write it down, but I have seen it and you're right. It is a ton of fun. And you know, Matt Stone and Trey Parker have an amazing ability to write a musical. Like they have yeah. a, a really good understanding of what makes they, they write great songs. You know, there's great dialogue in between. Um, uh, the book of Mormon has been wildly successful since its yeah. release. You know, if you look at the, the South park movie, the bigger, better, longer and uncut in a lot of ways that could be considered a musical. And, they they put it in the show all the time. You always see it in yeah. South Park, these great musical numbers. And yes, Cannibal the Musical, I think it exposed the world to, you know, who these guys were. And it was really our first our first look at 
kind of because we wouldn't get South Park until 97. I want to say it was 97. I'm pretty sure it was 97 when that came out. So you're talking a pre a few years yeah. pre um, pre South Park. Um, it is a lot of fun because what was it? The uh, it wasn't the Donner Party. It was um, uh, no, it's it's someone. Else. Let, let me see. It's um, Pecker, Alfred Pecker, okay, and his, uh, and his his friends, <laughs> and um, it's 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 a group that's. Um, it's it's been a while since I've seen it, but and it's it's very crazy, so I'm not too sure. But I think it's like a, a group uh, wandering around somewhere and then getting lost, and then yeah. they at some point just ne- need to eat each other to survive. <laughs> but I'm not fully sure. Right. But uh, it's it's just uh, so much fun. It got uh, some gore and it's uh, crazy. Uh, it's it's a perfect trauma movie, even though it wasn't made by trauma. It was made by yeah. them and then released by trauma, kind of like Hectic Knife, which fits perfectly into the trauma <laughs> right. uh, uh, genre, but isn't an official trauma movie. And yeah, w- what's crazy is they they made this like um, like they, there's one guy in there. Um, his name is Stan Prakage, who was their professor at uh, the university at the uh, film studies, and he's like. Um, I've seen a few of his shorts. He's like an experimental filmmaker who goes really all out. I think he made the lemon one where he just filmed a lemon from different uh, sides. So or moth light, I think, is by him. He's like super experimental, and he's in in the, in this movie in this crazy <laughs> actor. I, I I really like the musical though. It's uh, yeah, it's been quite a few years since I've seen it, but I do remember enjoying it. Quite a bit, because I didn't find this movie until after South Park had been out for a while, and you know I started to learn about more of who they were, and that's how I came across Cannibal the Musical. Um, okay, so now that we've we've spent some time on your list, why don't we get to that number one spot? <laughs> <laughs> the the big and now again, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure some people wouldn't call this a horror movie, even though this counts as a horror movie. It's a Leprechaun. <laughs> Oh, I do got it on my list. That's actually my uh, my number two was uh, Leprechaun, and it's absolutely a horror movie. You know, it it has the comedy elements, um, but it is a horror movie. And yet, a very young Jennifer Aniston kind of do, making one of her bigger debuts in this thing because she. Yeah, had done, I think this is her first movie, right? It may be her first movie, yeah, because she was in that Ferris Bueller's Day Off TV show. And I don't know if she did any other TV work before this, but Leprechaun, I think, is her her first movie. And Leprechaun is still a lot of fun. The first one is still a lot of fun. You know what? I don't even mind all the other ones. <laughs> I've only seen the first one so far. But it's one of those... It it gets a lot of uh, uh, hate and shit on, but I don't think it's that bad. Like, it's, it's, it's a perfectly fun movie. Like, I really enjoyed it, watching it. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's not it's not a masterpiece. It's not going to win any Oscars, but it's not bad. <laughs> no. And at the time it was, you know, I mean, how many sequels did we get to that thing? Like there's people who enjoy the Leprechaun character and Warwick Davis is just so much fun as that Leprechaun. Like he really <laughs> just took on the role, had a good time with it, and you know, I'll shine your shoes. Um <laughs> But it is uh, it is super cool, and I like that that's how they trapped him, was with a four-leaf clover is the only way you can trap the leprechaun and keep him buried away. But, the, you know, leprechaun, saying is how it's in my number two spot, that kind of lets you know what's going on with the movies throughout, uh, throughout 1993. Um, so, uh, 
so I'll go back to my list and like I'd mentioned the the number one. I'll just go from one to ten because honestly, I could flip these numbers around here and there. There's not a lot of these that I'm I'm rushing to watch if I'm in the mood to watch a horror movie. Uh, there's a couple on the list that I do really like a lot. But number one, Return of the Living Dead 3. The Return of the Living Dead movies were so um, different because, uh, you know, for a lot of people, at least for me, and I didn't, I didn't see a lot of these in 1993. It, it wasn't until much later on when I would start going to the video stores and stuff. But Return of the Living Dead, for some reason as a kid, I thought it was tied to Night of the Living Dead. But they're a completely standalone entity. They're not. Uh, well, it's, I think, uh, in the first movie and in the first Return of the Living Dead, they, they say, like, do you remember Night of the Living Dead? That actually happened. And so it's, it's basically set in the same universe, kind of. I don't know. It's, yeah, but I think <laughs> they tried to connect it. <laughs> but, but did they try and connect it or did they just say that because of the copyright laws? And they could say that. You know what I mean? Because there was no. Maybe. Yeah, there was nothing preventing them from saying that. But Return to the Living Dead 3, I remember, really um, creeped me out as a kid. And I, I loved the idea of it. You got this guy and his girlfriend who get in this terrible motorcycle accident. She ends up dying. And I can't remember if he was in the Army or if somehow he knew about these Army experiments going on. So he takes her and either gives her this gas or injects her with this liquid or whatever and brings her back to life. And she slowly develops the bloodlust. It's not like she immediately turns into a zombie. It slowly takes her over. And I, to fight the urges to eat people, she, like, shoves, like, spikes and stuff through her arms and, like, um, like does all these crazy weird piercings all over the place. And I just remember by the end of the movie, she looked awesome. Like, she just had all this crazy stuff like, hanging out of her everywhere. And it was um, it was super cool. And I just at the time, you know, I was probably 14, 15 when I saw it for the first time. And I just loved it. I ended up buying a copy of it and and watched it all the time because it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. So does it have anything to do with the original movie? Because if I remember correctly, in the in the first Return of the Living Dead, it's where they uh, uh, find a zombie or something and then accidentally uh, burn it and threw the ashes throughout. And then everyone, all the dead things come to life and like I, I remember even like uh just like there's a half of a dog and yeah. that comes back to life because everything that has lived once comes back to life so is it is it in any way connected i, I don't know if really it, just... yeah i don't know if it's directly connected um it has been a while since since i've watched it but it's the same premise i mean because like you said in the original yeah, you had those guys all down in that. Um, I don't remember where they were working, but they in end the up morgue. burning the corpse. It yeah. was a morgue. Yeah, because the the body was like still alive in the the bag, and they're all beating it, and um, yeah. they end up burning it, and that's how everything else comes comes back to life. But I don't know if it's directly connected. But with these kind of movies, you honestly don't need to be <laughs> like you're not looking for the story when you're watching Return of the Living Dead. Um, but it is just a girl gets brought back to life, and she's a. Uh, She's crazy, which is, um, it, but there's some really cool visual stuff. Like I was saying, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, uh yeah, as I, I was going to watch this, I was going to look into it, but I couldn't even find it. It's banned over here. So it was really hard to even find. And uh, the store I went to didn't have it. So, um, yeah, sadly I couldn't watch it because I like, I really like the first one and I want to see all the other ones. Also what I just found out, um, Return of the Living Dead 3 is directed by Brian Usner, who um, 
made a movie. Now, now we can go uh, to our 1989 discussion that we had. He made Society and Pride of Reanimator as his ah, first okay. movies in 1989. Nice, nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then he made uh, Initiation, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. And then he made Return of the Living Dead 3. <laughs> so he has quite a career. <laughs> yeah, quite a career of horror movies. Um, no, that is cool though, and you can see some of that, especially with uh, society. We've talked about it a few times. That's such a weird movie, such a weird movie. Yeah. Um, my number three spot went to Ticks, which I really loved Ticks when I was a kid. Um, it's been a few years, maybe two years, since I've revisited it. Uh, it's got a young Seth Green in it, um, and I can't remember his name, uh, Alonzo. Um, was it uh, Ribeiro? Yeah, Ribeiro from uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He played Carlton in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and this was a departure from ah. that, as he plays more of like a thug. And it's a really cool mutated um, creature feature. And I don't remember how the ticks get mutated, but you get this group of people who end up out in the woods. And Clint Howard was around for a little bit, which he was always a staple of of '90s horror. But these ticks become absolutely massive. And all the uh, <laughs> the effects are all practical, which I think is great, is what I, I love in these old... You know, did you ever see, uh, it's more current, Zombieverse? Uh, no, sadly, I haven't yet. <laughs> oh, you got to see that if you get a chance. But it, I love the, the practical creature monsters, um, and Zombieverse did that really well more recently. But with Ticks, it, it really is just a creature feature, where you get a bunch of mutated insects who are... Who are going to take over the world, and uh, maybe not take over the world, but at least take over this this camp of of people? Because I want to say they were like troubled youth, and they were sent out to this camp. You know what I mean, like a therapy type thing. Like they were all juvenile delinquents, and they get sent out there, and then they end up in a fight against a bunch of ticks. Um, yeah, the only thing I can add is that on uh, at least on Letterbox, the description also states that. Um, these mutant insects are created by evil polluting pot farmers. Okay. All right. So what, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> uh, number four, I've got Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. And, uh, you know, this did, was... Go ahead. It, this was the one for 20 euros that I thought about buying, but I decided <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to spend 20 euros on that movie. <laughs> yeah. Because it's also banned over here. <laughs> And this was our, our first outing after Jason Takes Manhattan. And in this one, they really attempted to reinvent. And I want to say this is when New Line got their their hands on it because this was the, the – at the end of this one is when you get Freddy's glove comes up out of the ground, grabs Jason's mask, and pulls it down, and we hear the, the Freddy yeah. laugh. And that was the biggest thing about this movie. When it came up, everybody was like, oh, we're finally going to get Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> but the movie itself is really weird. Um, you know, it opens up with uh, you have a woman who's at an old house, and it seems very Friday the 13th, you know, cow, 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 cow. And she's taking a shower. The power goes out. Uh, she gets out of the shower, and Jason's there. They have a bit of a scuffle. She runs out the front door. Jason's following her, and then all of a sudden, all these floodlights come on. Like, boom, and then Jason's just standing in this pool of light, and you've got SWAT teams and stuff, like, lowering down, repelling out of the trees, and you have this... So it was a whole setup to to finally kill Jason Voorhees. 
Well, they, that sounds awesome, to be honest. <laughs> yes. So they they end up shooting him with a, a grenade right near the end of this fight. Like, they hit him with a bunch of regular bullets, then they shoot him with a grenade. He blows up. They collect all the body parts, take him to the morgue, and the mortician, for some, I don't know how, but Jason's body can possess people, and... <laughs> The, the mortician starts eating the heart, and now he is essentially Jason Voorhees. And so Jason is passed from person to person <laughs> um, by people, like, eating the flesh or him. At one point, he, like, spits this huge slug monster out of his mouth, and it's able to go inside of this woman. I'm, I'm sure you can figure out how it got inside of her. But it goes inside <laughs> of this woman, and, and so Jason's essence can be transferred from, chase, from person to person and then you've got this bounty hunter who's got a magical knife, and the only way you can truly kill Jason is if someone in the Voorhees family, some descendant of Jason, stabs him with the, the magic knife. And so it's a weird Friday the 13th movie. It's, a, it's really, really odd. It almost sounds like they... It almost sounds like they had the idea for a movie and then decided, let's make a Jason movie out of right. this. Right, Yeah. Um, so you know what it, it is one that I still enjoy a lot though, but it's more uh, nostalgia than it is anything else. Um, because I love the the Jason design when he is Jason, he looks really good. But overall, it's a it's a weird movie um, as a whole. Uh, my number five spot went to Man's Best Friend, and I don't know if you've you're familiar with this. Uh, Lance Never Hen- heard of it? Yeah, Lance Henriksen stars in this one. And the whole movie is pretty much just a Rottweiler that they infuse with um, or, or, you know, um, introduce other animal DNAs like a, a jaguar and a, I want to say like a chameleon and all this stuff. So the dog develops all these abilities. Like the dog, you know, it'll, it'll go to climb a tree and these huge claws will come out like a cat and it'll <laughs> climb in straight up the side of a tree. Um, but as a kid, I really loved it. And it, it's weird looking back through this list. You know, it is a lot of stuff that we'd find at the video store. And Oh, as a kid, it was cool. As a kid, it was cool. I don't know how good man's best friend holds up. I, I probably haven't seen it in 15 <laughs> years, but I do remember liking it a lot. Um, when I was younger, uh, let's see number six spot. Um, and I'm, you know, this one is one that I do highly recommend everybody check out. It's the first film by Guillermo del Toro and Kronos. Um, Kronos is, it's, it's a really weird movie. Ron Perlman, it was the first time those two worked together. And you've got this, you know, it starts way back in, I want to say like the 1500s or something like that. And you've got a, a guy doing these experiments and, you know, trying to figure out eternal life and the, the fountain of youth. Well, the rest of the movie, and I don't want to say too much about this one because I do want you to watch this without knowing a ton about it, but it's, um, you know, you have this this serum that ends up traveling through time. So we go from back in time to the present and people trying to use this stuff, but it gives you this bloodlust once you start to do it. And then it, it takes a lot of different turns from there. But uh, being the first film of Del Toro, I think that alone is reason enough to see this movie. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it's very cool. Number seven spot, I've got The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. Um, the movie really scared me when I was a kid because you didn't have a lot of movies about little, little kid murderers and little kid psychopaths. And Macaulay Culkin was so well known for 
Home Alone. So to see him kind of depart from that and... Well, in Home Alone, he's also basically a murderous psychopath, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, that is fair. Um, but very young Elijah Wood and young Macaulay Culkin. And, you know, this, I'm sure you're familiar with the the premise because it is a big movie. It was It was very popular. And I don't know if it's banned over there or not. Maybe they don't want to, you know, trick. No, up. this was actually on on uh, Netflix for quite a while. But when I wanted to watch it, it was gone. <laughs> this a- was the problem. This I, I thought I can watch this because I knew it was on Netflix, and then I checked it out and it was gone. So yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Because it is a it is a good movie, and it is um, it is very creepy. You know, um, Macaulay Culkin, like I said, he's just a little psychopath, and. Elijah Wood is, I want to say he's, he's the cousin who went over to stay with them, but they, um, it's Tessia's cousin. Okay. Yeah. So he's his cousin who ends up going to stay with the family and, um, Macaulay Culkin quickly draws him into doing all of these bad things. And Macaulay Culkin is a little sister and, if, uh, you know, the movie goes where you logically think it would go where one of them's going to end up dying, whatever. Uh, but it's still um, it's still an okay time, and my number eight spot is one that I think you would really enjoy because it's kind of so bad it's good, and it's Doll Man versus Demonic Toys. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, are you familiar at all with the uh, the Demonic Toys series or or any of that? It's not Puppet Master. It's something different. Demonic yeah, Toys. Yeah, yeah, it's different <laughs> than Puppet Master because these aren't all puppets. They're all different, um, <laughs> different toys and different versions of toys. But Doll Man is is just what you think he is. You know, he's like a Doll Man, and it's him having this epic battle against a bunch of a bunch of demonic toys. Um, but it's cool, and I think they did end up doing though a Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys movie. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Let me try and try and look that up because I want to say there was a Puppet Master versus, yep, Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. <laughs> so there is a whole, um, it was a television movie made for television in 2004. And so there is some, oh, yeah, God. if you just look up some of the I, images of that, it's a. I, I'm just looking into the director, uh, Charles Band, and. Uh, yeah, he uh, made such classics as uh, The Ginger Dead Man, Evil Bong, and also um, a few Puppet Master movies. Also, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh my god, his, his filmography looks looks awesome. There's like seven or eight of those Evil Bong movies, and a whole bunch of those Gingerbread movies. There's probably like five or six of those as well. They're not very good. They're like uh, stoner horror you know what I mean? Just like really stupid and ridiculous. But Doll Man versus Demonic Toys was um, was a lot of fun. Uh, okay, what do I got? Uh, number nine, this movie, Carnosaur. Um, it's a dinosaur science experiment gone wrong, and that's really the only way to put it. It is not very good. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's just there. It just exists. But as a kid, I really loved it, so I added it to my top ten. And then my number 10 spot went to Needful Things. Uh, Needful Things is cool. It's, uh, you know, based on the Stephen King story. I got to say, uh, just just real quick, um, this was one that I could have had the opportunity to watch. I think, isn't this like a miniseries or at least pretty long? Yeah, I don't know if it was a a miniseries. I know. um, Have you you read the book? 
No, and that's the problem. I I want to I want to see this, but I want to read the book first. But the book is really really big and long. Oh, okay. So I didn't get through the book yet, and that's why this this was the one where I thought I should maybe watch it, but I um I I didn't get to. Yeah, no, it's not. It wasn't a mini series. It was um it was just two hours long. Um, oh. but Max von Sydow is always always good whenever he's on screen. Um, Ed Harris and and the story's pretty pretty simple um you know in regards to Stephen King you got this old guy that comes to town and opens up this this shop kind of a a shop of oddities and curiosities and things yeah. like that and the big thing is that you know he he almost always has exactly what somebody's looking for but it usually comes with it some baggage as yeah, as it would story we've heard a million times basically yeah <laughs> but it's um it is good when you get a chance to watch that i would recommend it check it out i will i will um okay so that's my top 10 and then the couple others that i've seen from from 1993 that i didn't include in that list uh another stephen king the tommy knockers um yeah which one I, I haven't read yet yeah i want to say that was made for tv i do think that was uh a tv thing i could be wrong but so many of his around that time, you know, you had the the It miniseries, and I think the the Tommy Knockers. I want to say the Langoliers was in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also the Dark Half, which I think is Stephen King. Yeah, the Dark which Half, is also ninety three. Right, it's just, it, that's actually one of the ones I haven't seen that um, that Romero directed. So he did. That's yeah. one that's high on my list of stuff that I want to see. So yeah, it was a good year for uh, Stephen King because we even had a Stephen King sequel. This uh, ninety three was Children of the Corn two, the final sacrifice, and we've talked about Children of the Corn. Pretty much everything outside of that original is, it, it's fine. I mean, if you're just looking for something to watch, but it's not not super exciting. I, I think I I think for what it's worth, we've talked more about the Children of the Corn movies than most series, I think, on right. this podcast, because it's it's something I always like to bring up, that there's like seven sequels to right. a short story by Stephen King. Which is crazy. Uh, but it's okay. Uh, another sequel on the list was Warlock, the Armageddon. Um, and, and the first Warlock is actually, it, it's not bad. It's It's fun. The the sequel I really like Julian Sands in this role as playing this this evil entity who's on the earth trying to bring about Armageddon and the the apocalypse the end of the world and so there's the sequel to that and the last one I had was Puppet Master Four came out in 1993 and I've seen all of the Puppet Master movies outside of the Littlest Reich outside of the <laughs> the most current one which is the one I really want to see. Um, it's Puppet Master. There's, uh, there's, there's not much more to say. And now, have you seen any of the Puppet Master movies? I, I've seen the first one, and uh, I, I liked it. It's fun, but yeah, it's. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel like this needs a sequel. No, no. But for some reason, they they continue to get sequels, and you know, people like the puppets. They like Pinhead, and they like Blade, and Leech, and all of these different characters. And because they do eventually give them a little bit more personality, they're not just an evil, evil killer doll. Uh, and there's um, so so now that we've gone through everything I've seen, was there anything on that you found that you're like, oh, I really want to see that, or anything well, that maybe I mentioned that you haven't seen that you you want to see? Well, now I feel like after hearing your top ten, right. Um, talking about all, all these movies, I, I feel like the '90s had a great um, creative force behind them, <laughs> with like really 
creative different movies that just were shit but lots of fun ideas like the the ones you told in your top 10 even though most of them aren't as good uh, they like even the the Jason goes to hell sounds like a fun movie <laughs> yeah and, and that one at least you've got Jason going for you you know they you've got Jason and they were trying to reinvent Jason but it, I, I do recommend you see it when you get a chance I think you you probably would find something you enjoy I, there I will watch it. And uh, yeah, so there, there's lots of movies that I, like all of them you, you talked about, I want to see them all. They all sound at least to some level fun. And that that's what I need in a horror movie is that they at least sound fun and not uh, just the same that I've seen a million times. Right. right. And uh, also what I, uh, what I have prepared, you could say, um, uh, I think we talked about this last time. Letterboxd has this nice feature where they, um, Uh, sort by film popularity so it's not the best movies it's not the uh the worst movies it's just um the the most popular movies on the site so the movies that most people click on and go to okay and um just because they're sorted that way i'm just going through the top 12 okay. and there, there's lots of movies we just talked about but i think it has some surprises uh number 12 is a movie i've never heard of it's called body melt Yes. Do you know anything about that? No, I, I saw it on the list, but I'm not uh, not familiar with it at all. Yeah, it's uh, residents of Peaceful Pebbles Court, Holmesville, are being used unknowingly as test experiments for a new body drug that causes rapid body decomposition, melting skin, etc., and painful death. <laughs> Which, like I said, these all sound at least fun. Right. <laughs> and... In, but this is the 12th most popular movie on Letterboxd. From 1993. Uh, okay. From 1993. Uh, right next to it, we got Needful Things at number 11. That's the one we talked yeah. about. Um, then Cannibal, the musical, which, like okay. I said, it's called a horror movie on here. Okay. Then uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 3, we just talked about. Uh, then uh, we got The Dark Half, which we just mentioned, George R. Romero and Stephen King. And it sounds Yeah, I really, really want to see that one. Then we got uh, another one that's interesting that I haven't really heard about. It's Body Snatches from 1993. Yeah, that was one of the ones I put on my list that I, I do want to see because I remember the box art when I was a kid. I remember seeing it on the wall at the video store. And from what I read about it, it sounds just like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So I don't know if this is just a telling of that story, if it's a different adaptation, but it sounds like you know human beings are taken over by these alien forces and you can't tell the difference between your friends and the aliens but it sounds good yeah and uh, the, the director is really interesting because this is abel ferrera who has quite a career like he made a bad lieutenant the original he made um a thriller killer which okay. is a movie that's banned over here um and he made like he made some movies that i'm interested in like 444 last day on earth Where like oh, yeah. the earth is, uh, the world is ending, and uh, so he he has a, a, a f interesting career. I, I'd not say a good career, but an interesting career. So uh, yeah, this this is interesting to me. Um, now I got a lot again, but then I can tell you what the next one is. Number six is Body Bags. The uh, I really want to see Body Bags, uh, the anthology horror movie. Yeah, exactly by uh, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, just just the just the directors, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, and Larry Salkis. Okay, he's not not that big. Uh, 
Yeah, and I really want to see Buddy is also Knight. starring in it. Yeah, so I really. That's... It's one that's been on my list for a long time, and I just haven't come across it. But as soon as I get the chance to watch it, I will definitely check out Body Bags because, like you said, it's just got the the pedigree of horror icons that I'm like, okay, I'm in. Like that's you don't got to tell me anything more. Just leave it at what it's at, and we'll go from there. Also, no no idea. How how big they are in the movie, but the, the starring list includes John Carpenter, uh, Robert Carradine, David Norton, Stacy Keach, um, Toby Hooper, Tom Arnold, Mark Hamill, uh, Sam Mark Raimi, Hamill, Wes Craven, Sam Raimi. Yeah, this well, <laughs> so, I just uh, I just looked it up. It's only ten dollars on iTunes, so I think I'm gonna pick it up and watch it. I'll, I'll watch it by next week. Okay, I'll see if I can find it as well. Then we can talk about it. Um, uh, then uh, number five, now the top five most popular movies on Letterboxd from the year 1993, horror. Um, the Good Son, okay. which we talked about. Yep. Uh, we, we've talked about the, to- the the last four we've talked about. We didn't talk about number one yet. Interesting. Uh, number four is uh, Leprechaun. Number three is Jason Goes to Hell. Number two is Kronos. And number one is, according to this, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, they, that's a long stretch to call it a horror movie because I mean it's it's a Disney movie. It um, it is a great movie. I'm not trying to take away anything at all from Hocus Pocus because it is it is a it is a ton of fun. They just released the uh, sequel book last year. It was at the end of last year they released an official sequel to the movie in the form of a book. But I know for a lot of people it's their go to movie for Halloween. And just because you had some great performances, it is a ton of fun. It's a good story, but to call it a horror movie is is kind of silly. That's now the silly. question you said it's a Disney movie. Now the question is, which is scarier, Bambi, Pocus, or Bambi? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I would say Bambi. Uh, still, still holds the the crown on that one. Um, I, I did have a couple more that I wrote down that. Um, which is, you know, a Kronos, though, I, I'm i surprised that was all the way up at number two because I feel like that one just doesn't have the public awareness that some of yeah, the other I ones have. I think Letterboxd, Letterboxd has, like, um, it's it's not as much the public as it's more of film fans. And I think, right. especially since uh, Del Toro won Best Picture, uh, best, yeah, best Picture last year, um, I think that might be the reason that it spiked now and is people are, really high. People up. are going back looking for, for some of his other stuff. Yeah, because yeah, I think exactly. um, I think Kronos was right before The Devil's Backbone. I want to say Devil's Backbone was his second movie, with Kronos being the the first. I could be wrong there, but uh, I, I look it up. You okay. go. On, you you had um, some more movies that yeah. You so the to last see? ones that that I have in my list that I I do want to check out: um, Bloodstone, Subspecies Two, and the first subspecies. It, it's a vampire movie. There were a lot of vampire movies when I looked at um, some of the other stuff that came up. Uh, but it, I mean, it's the first one was fine and, you know, I just want to see it as I didn't even know it was a thing. So kind of as a completionist, uh, the next one, Shram into the mind of a serial killer. I I don't know a ton about it outside of, I I read a little bit on the, the list that it was pulled up on and I like a good, uh, serial killer movie, you know, where they really try and dig into the psyche. I think it'll be hard to to really beat um, Henry portrait of a serial killer because that was just so, so unnerving. Um, Roker was just absolutely amazing. And did you ever, did you ever see found? Found? I don't think so. No, 
it's it's crazy, man. It is crazy. <laughs> like it, it's one of those that I, I'm probably uh, almost 100 percent certain it's banned over there. You can you can look it up and let me know if it's banned. But let me see. Found. It's it's on Amazon Prime over here. Oh, you need to watch that today if you got the time. I really want to know what you think <laughs> about that movie. I'll try to watch it. Yeah. It's, um, it's only available in German dub. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Because so much of that is the, the emotional aspect of the things the people aren't saying and the visuals are just, it's, okay. it's gory. It is, I mean, it's super gory. Um, I, I look into it. Yeah, so next up I've got Witchboard 2. Um, the Witchboard movies are just Ouija board movies. I had seen the first one many, many years ago and kind of re-sparked my interest in, uh, in that. Uh, Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. So from what I read, it's kind of Lovecraft actually finding. So it's a story where Lovecraft is the character and him finding the Necronomicon and then writing some of his stories based on what he found in the Necronomicon. At least that's what I, what I took away from reading a quick synopsis. Uh, after that, zombie bloodbath. You have a town that experiences a nuclear meltdown and turns all of the residents into zombies. And so, yeah, should be fun. Um, Sounds fun. Little Cory Gory. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, right? Uh, little Cory Gory. You've got a kid who's uh, abused really bad by his. It sounds like his family and him now enacting his revenge on the people who, uh, yeah, on the people who who did that stuff to him. Um, the monster is uh, about a demon. Um, tormenting a family. I think it's like a demon who like brings back a dead cop or something along those lines, but it's a demon tormenting a family. And then the last one, Night Owl, is another vampire movie. And, <coughs> excuse me, you have a guy who's killing off all of these women and um, somebody's sister is one of the women who ends up getting killed off. So now you have a, a person hunting this, this Night I've Stalker. I've seen Night Owl. Yeah. Oh, you have? Oh. Yes, I didn't know this was a this would count as a horror movie. Like this was a wait, maybe, maybe this is wait. Let me see if there's another one. Oh, there's two Night Owls from 1993. Uh, which which one do you mean? Because I've seen we we had on Letterbox this Letterbox movie night where we would watch shitty movies together, and we watched one uh, New York every night. The mysterious Night Owl goes on the air with her moody radio show. She seems to have an inexplicable influence on the man. Is that the movie? Uh, uh, that doesn't sound. No, because this one is. No, because this one is a um, about a vampire. Um, let me see. Was John Leguizamo? No, I don't think it was John Leguizamo. How many Night Owl movies were there in nineteen ninety three? Right. <laughs> well, this one says it was a. Uh, um, so yeah, that one's the radio DJ. Uh, yeah, where, where people start killing themselves. That's the one I've seen a long time ago. It was shit. <laughs> yeah, this one. Let me see if I can find it. I know this is very compelling podcasting right here. We're both trying to. <laughs> yeah, uh, le let me just add in between that um, HP Lovecraft Necronomicon that you just talked about is um, uh, it's actually available for me to watch. And it's also directed by Brian Usner, who made uh, oh nice <laughs> Return yeah. of the Living Dead three. So uh, he he made two movies in this year and in nineteen ninety uh, eighty nine. 
So which is crazy. Uh, yeah, connection to the other episode. Uh, yeah. No, this, which was by the way episode two. <laughs> oh, okay. This um this night owl. No, it says an East Village vampire looks for women to seduce in a New York neighborhood bar. And it looks like it says it was black and white. It's only an hour and 17 minutes, and it's an indie movie. So maybe that's why the other Night Owl was uh, was bigger. But this one, yeah, specifically yeah, about a vampire. It's, it's starring John Leguizamo as the main character. Is it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. All right. Yeah, that's... no, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, but it's one that I'll, I'll try and check out. Oh, yeah, John Leguizamo right there plays Angel. Uh, Jennifer Beals <laughs> plays Julia. Um, nobody else I really... A lot of IMDb with no pictures. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how big of a movie it was. Um, so, 93, yeah. Kind of a weird year for uh, for horror, but there are a couple things I'm going to want to see. And um, it's funny, the one thing I'm telling you you absolutely got to watch isn't from 93 at all. It's a <laughs> more current movie. But I think you'll... You'll like found because it's 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 unsettling. It really is. I mean, for a lot of people, it'd probably be too much. It would be over the top to the point where it's like, okay, this is just a disgusting, disgusting movie. But I think you'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds. I'm I'm gonna see if I can watch it today. It's it's on Amazon. It says it's German dub, but it's okay. I'll That's survive. Right. <laughs> yeah, you'll be okay. This isn't one where there's a lot of deep deep conversation where the the pros and the inflection really drive home the story. It's one you can get by on your own. Okay. Um, all right. Well, if you want to get in contact with us, um, all the social medias at IHOH podcast, and you can send us a message directly. IHOH podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, maybe if you have any recommendations for show topics or something you want to hear us dig into in the world of horror, that'd be kind of cool to take a, a listener submission to, what we're gonna what we're gonna chat about, and as always, if you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave that rate and review, those are are very important to us, and we appreciate it even more than you know. Would be would be great if you could yeah. do that for us. Um, and did you have anything else before we wrap this thing up? Um, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, 1993 was a bad year. Next time, I'm gonna <laughs> pick more. <laughs> right, we'll better. think about I'm it. I'm into it first. Yeah, we won't put each other on the spot and be like, "Hey, pick a year right now." <laughs> Um, all righty. <laughs> so for the International House of Horrors podcast, I am Joe Merle. And I'm Josh. And we'll be back next week with all things terrible, horrible, broody, bloody, gory, and the macabre.